Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And being that it is November, we are often reminded of the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which sank on November 10th, 1975, 17 miles north-northwest of Whitefish Point in Michigan. That is uh, on the northern part of Michigan, off of the Upper Peninsula. But there's another story of a side-wheel steamer that sunk in Lake Michigan that I want to explore today, and that is the story of the P.S. Alpina. And it sank in October of 1880. And it's a story that I've touched on before with another guest who came on last year. But I wanted to go into that story specifically in today's episode. So come along and join me. The P.S. Alpina was a side-wheel steamer that was built by Thomas Arnold of Gallagher and Company at Marine City, Michigan in 1866. And it was operated by the Goodrich Line after being purchased from Gardner, Ward, and Gallagher in April 1868. Now, the Alpina sank in Lake Michigan following a storm that was known as the Big Blow, that happened on October 15, 1880, with the loss of all people on board. So we're going to talk about the history of the ship as well as the shipwreck itself. Now, the specs of the Alpina was that it was 197 feet long, 26 feet in width or breadth, and it had a depth of 12 feet, and it was rated at 654 tons of displacement and the vessel was driven by a steam engine with side paddle wheels and there's some photographs of this if you look it up online and the photographs of the vessel show it's having a walking beam suspended above the paddle wheel and it's clearly visible when you look at the photos and a walking beam is a smoke stack or steam stack which is what was used in a steam-driven ship. And it had been operating on Lake Michigan from the time it was christened in 1866. Now, at that time in October of 1880, the Alpina had approximately 80 people on board, and it was carrying a large cargo of apples, and it capsized in the middle of the lake. Now, this ship was on a trip from Grand Haven, Michigan, to Chicago, Illinois. And during the hours of the storm, or prior to the storm, it was spotted at 8 a.m. on October 16th in heavy seas. And then sometime later, probably due to a shift in the cargo on the deck caused by the waves, it capsized, and then it drifted northwest. On October 17th, Debris, including a piano, came ashore in Holland, Michigan, while apples and wood debris were found at Saugatuck. A section of beach near Holland where debris was found is still called Alpina Beach to this day. Now, the Alpina is still one of the most famous shipwrecks on the east shore of Lake Michigan today, and the vessel, when it disappeared in October of 1880, the storm that became known as the Big Blow, got that nickname because of its devastation that it caused throughout the Great Lakes. Now, the Alpina was a wood-hulled steamer, and it was powered by a single-cylinder vertical beam engine 
which drove a pair of 24-foot radius side wheels. And it was distinctive due to the beam, like I described before, the walking beam engine, which was plainly visible above the massive side wheels. And it had a pilot house forward and strengthening arches along each side of the single stack. And if you look at the picture, it sort of looks like a Ferris wheel on each side, and you have this big black stack, which is the walking beam. Now, the wreck of the Alpina is still being sought, and when it is found, it will be distinctive because of the paddle wheels and the vertical beam engine that will enable researchers to identify it. Now, this information is coming from michiganshipwrecks.org, where they have a description of it. At the time of this article, the Alpina had not been identified in terms of location. Now, after the Goodrich Line had purchased the vessel from Gardner, Ward, and Gallagher in April 1868, the ship was completely overhauled at Manitowoc, Wisconsin in the winter of 1875-1876, and it was placed under the capable hand of Captain Nelson Napier of St. Joseph, Michigan. And when the Alpina left Grand Haven, Michigan, bound for Chicago on that Friday evening on October 15, 1880, it left at around 9.30 p.m., and the weather was beautiful. It was sort of an Indian summer-like weather out on Lake Michigan. But the barometer was indicating a storm, and storm signals were out being sent to all the ships on the lake, even though the weather was very calm at that point. And Alpina was spotted several times on her southwest journey by a crew of the steamer Muskegon. And it was spotted at about 1 o'clock a.m., and everything seemed normal. At about 3 a.m. Saturday, October 16th, the worst gale in Lake Michigan recorded history suddenly swept across the lake. And Alpena was seen again at 6 a.m., at 7 a.m., and also at 8 a.m. by the schooner Irish and by Captain George Boomsluter of the barge City of Grand Haven, about 35 miles off Kenosha, Wisconsin and they indicated that the Alpina was laboring heavily in the high seas. Now, several other vessel captains, one of whom reported the Alpina laying on her side with one of her paddle wheels out of the water, spotted the vessel over the next several hours. Ten carloads of apples were stowed on her main deck, and some speculate this cargo became unmanageable in the storm and shifted and led to the ship capsizing. Perhaps all the apples broke loose from their containers and shifted the load all over the deck because the load of the cargo was shift stored on the deck of the Alpina. And remember, it only had 12 feet in height, so it wasn't that tall of a ship on Lake Michigan. And in a heavy storm, you can imagine the waves were breaking over the ship as it was, and then having a cargo like apples that could potentially shift or break out of their crates and shift around could displace the load of the ship and cause it to lean one way or the other, and which probably aligns with the history or the story of the sighting of the ship being on its side with one paddle wheel stuck out of the water. Now, following this sighting, reports indicate that the Alpina may have drifted north for the rest of the day and perhaps until Sunday morning and then back towards the east of the lake. The wind shifted 
to the west and northwest and brought debris onto the beaches of Holland, as I mentioned before. And the weekly Holland City News reported on October 23rd that the wreck was a complete loss and that the ship had been broken into small fragments. The stern part of her hull lay near the harbor in Holland, and the, the whole coast for 20 miles was strewn with debris of the freight that came from the ship. And the largest piece to land near Holland was a piano, and it was barely able to float. And the sailors concluded that the piano had not gone very far because it wasn't something that was a very big floating item. So that the piano must have come off when the ship was pretty near, or that portion of the ship that it came from was pretty near Holland. And the arrival of other heavy pieces of the wreck would soon appear to collaborate this concept. The Sagataw Commercial Record newspaper reported shingles, lathe, lumber, and other pieces of ill-fated alpina were scattered thickly on the shores of Sagatuck. And it also reported that thousands of apples were found bobbing in the surf at Sagatuck. So there was no exact count of the victims that was available. Although Holland City News stated 80 persons may have been on board, the only passenger list was aboard the vessel at the time of the loss. There was no record of the passenger list on any shore port along its travel route. So the Holland News at the Herring District Library in Holland, made a list of the known passengers, but they may have missed some. And they published a list of the passengers, including the captain and his crew. And the list has been revised over the years. The most recent revision was done in 2021. However, there still remains the possibility that there are many names on that passenger list that will never be known as the only passenger list, of course, went down with the ship. Several artifacts from the Alpina, including a piano leg, may be seen at the Holland Museum today at 10th Street and River Avenue in Holland, Michigan. And the location of where the Alpina remains at the bottom of Lake Michigan is still a mystery. No doubt she will eventually be found, but what she'll reveal and what secrets that she will reveal when she is eventually found in Lake Michigan, only time is going to tell. Now, I've been over to um, Alpina Beach, um, this right next to Tunnel Park near Holland, and it's north of Holland State Park along Lake Michigan. And um, you walk through this big tunnel to go down to the beach. And of course, Alpena Beach was named after the shipwreck. And of course, before the ship left for its final leg of the journey, it had stopped in Grand Haven, and that's where it picked up passengers and this uh, freight load of apples, which was equivalent to about 10 carloads of West Michigan apples. So Alpena Beach today is roughly a one-mile stretch of mostly private beach north of Tunnel Park. And it's in Park Township near Holland at the end of Lakewood Boulevard. And its claim to fame, as I mentioned earlier, was that it had debris from the wreck, including the piano and parts of which are still in the Holland Museum that washed ashore for several days following the mysterious sinking of the ship during that storm. But oddly enough, the beach was also the home to a private zoo run by George Getz, and uh, that drew thousands of public visitors between 1910 and 1933. And it featured such things as wildcats and monkeys and elephants and camels. So that's just an interesting side note to Alpena Beach and some of the history and facts about that location. 
Now, the PS Alpina was not the only ship ever named Alpina that sailed on the Great Lakes. There was another ship named Alpina, which was a freighter built in 1874, and it burned to the waterline in 1891. And then there was another Alpina that was a tugboat, which sank in 1943 at Huron, Ohio. So those two had tragic ends. There was also the SS City of Alpena, which was a paddle wheel steamboat operating between Detroit and Mackinac Island by the Detroit and Cleveland Navigation Company from 1893 to 1921. And she was a 280-foot long ship that carried about 400 passengers and was powered by a 2,000-horsepower steam engine. And then there was also a Great Lakes ship named Alpena, and it had formerly been known as the Leon Fraser, and it had been owned by Inland Lakes Management, which was an affiliate of Lafarge Freight Company. And this was used as a bulk freighter to haul cement, and it was built in 1942 and equipped with a steam turbine engine. And it was originally 639 feet long, with 67 feet in breadth, with a depth of 35 feet. And it had the capacity of 15,550 tons. But it was renamed and shortened and converted to a bulk cement carrier in 1991. The Alpina today is a moderate-sized ship in the Great Lakes fleet. And the largest ship on the Great Lakes is almost twice its length and carries about four times its cargo. But that is basically the history of the Alpina sinking. Um, what do you think? Do you think the apples shifted and that and they broke loose on deck or that it was just a uh, terrible storm that any ship of that size with such a low water line would have probably gone down? I'd be interested to know your thoughts about it. I am new to learning about maritime history on Lake Michigan and other Great Lakes, so I love reading about these stories, but I do not claim to be the most knowledgeable about lake history and, and the shipping industry. So, But I did hear about this story early on from another guest that I had from the Michigan Historical Society that I interviewed in season one. And uh, he told me a little bit about the story when I asked him about some of the St. Joseph history. And apparently, I guess the the belief is the ship sank somewhere off the coast of Holland or perhaps somewhere between Holland and St. Joseph. But that will remain to be seen until the ship eventually is located. But that's going to conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed listening to this story, although brief as it was, please be sure to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. You can also find my 2024 book tour schedule for Southwest Michigan, where I will be doing events from March through May right now is on the calendar, and I will have event dates in June and July as they develop um, throughout the year. And that will be a place that you can always refer to as to uh, where I might be showing up if you want to come meet me. And, of course, this December, on December 16th, I will be performing in Tales of Christmas Past at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, which is located at 307 West Jackson Street in Battle Creek. And the show performances are at 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. 
And it is an evening of Christmas storytelling from 100 years ago or more. And it uh, is a cast which includes not only myself, but Dave Eddy, Bobby Mathis, Brian and Jill McCombs, and my good friend Donna Rickman. And we will all be on stage telling stories of Christmas from yesteryear. And it's a wonderful show. Last year, we sold out both performances and the feedback was just tremendous. People really enjoyed attending that event, and we hope to make it a reoccurring event every year. The cast may, of course, vary in the future, but um, we have the same cast as we did last year, which we consider to be very fortunate that everybody was able to fit this in their schedule this year. So definitely put that on your calendar, December 16th. Get your tickets. I'll put the link in the show note descriptions. You can also venture on over to the Battle Creek Regional History Museum website, which is bcrhm.org, and you'll find the information and links there where you can secure online tickets. If you want to pick up a print ticket, you can find the museum hours there. They are open 10 to 4 on Saturdays and noon to 4 on Sunday right now for the winter hours, and you can buy print tickets at the museum. If you want to venture on over to the Art Center of Battle Creek during the week, you can find tickets there as well. You have to check with them for their hours of operation. So we have print tickets available if you want to get them in that format, or if you just want to get your tickets online, you can uh, find them at the link in the show note descriptions or on the museum website. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday, we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.